0: Well, good morning again to Cross Central Church as we continue our journey uh, through the book of Romans. We find ourselves in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be reading from verses 15 down to verse 23. And as we've uh, worked our way through chapter 5, we saw Paul uh, in the book of Romans reminding us of the great promises and the great benefits of knowing Christ that we have peace with God, that we are new creations, we've been crucified with Christ. Uh, and we, are, uh, we, we live to, to, to God and we, have, we are reconciled to the Father. Uh, but as we started Romans chapter 6 last week, we saw that in chapter 6 we find two rhetorical questions. And it's almost as though Paul is imagining uh, uh, someone listening to his teaching on grace. Someone listening to his teaching on righteousness through faith alone. And he imagines this person raising two criticisms or two questions with regards to his teaching on grace. Uh, And and Paul's greatest concern is that people will misinterpret his teaching on grace as a license to do whatever they please. And so the first question we find in verse 1, Paul asks, shall we go on sinning that grace might increase? And his answer to, of course, an emphatic, by no means. So the first question Paul was asking was literally just that we looked at last week was, uh, because we are under grace, do we Continue to live in sin. Does that mean we have a license to do whatever we like and to live the way we please because we're already forgiven and And because we're under grace and Paul's response and answer to that of course is in verse 11 We've been crucified with Christ and now are dead to sin and alive to God Therefore we don't respond by letting sin reign in our bodies or by by offering any part of our body to a repetitive intentional sinfulness And so Paul ends those first 14 verses in verse 14 with that little statement, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. And the question flows, second question sort of flows out of verse 14. Paul then says in verse 15, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? So in response to his statement in verse 14 that we are no longer under the law, the judgments of the law, but we're under grace, Paul then asks the same similar question. Does that mean we can then carry on sinning? Does that mean we can live in the freedom that Christ has won for us in whichever way we choose? And once again, Paul's answer is an emphatic, by no means, not at all, And so we want to explore these little verses from verse 15 to 23 this morning, and I pray that you'll be truly blessed and challenged with regards to how we live and why we live the way we do uh, in our world today. But let me read the passage for us and pray, and then we will get straight into the text. So reading from verse 14 of Romans chapter 6, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer your parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from control of righteousness you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that you would challenge us, that you would stir our hearts, that you would encourage us through your word this morning, that we may be reminded of the beauty and the wonder of what it means to follow you and why we follow you, why we choose to follow you. And so we ask that you would lead our thoughts, guide our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the phrase, uh, all for one, And uh, One for All was made very famous by the novel The Three Musketeers. And in 1622, the first unit of musketeers were formed and known as a unit of gentlemen. They were hand-picked volunteers chosen to defend and to protect the king, Louis XVIII, who had become king at nine years old. And so the musketeers would wear the emblem of the king. They were prepared to die for him, laying down their lives for him. For this nine-year-old boy that they didn't even know know personally, had never met, never even some often interacted with. And yet their loyalty to him was unquestionable. The honor that came with serving him was was one that they all sought. And they sought to do it to, to the best of their ability and even willing as already mentioned, to lay down their lives for this king. And in many ways, this is the picture that Paul paints in the following verses that were read to us this morning. Uh, those who have chosen to follow Christ have been handpicked, handpicked volunteers who've made themselves servants of their king, willingly while laying down their lives for him, proudly wearing his emblem, the marks of service to this king. Uh, the fruit of righteousness the fruit of the spirit Uh, and they've truly become slaves to righteousness honor bound to serve this king with everything and with their lives all for one one king and one king for all and it's a beautiful picture of verses 15 to 23 in romans chapter 6 and the first thing i notice in verses 15 to 16 if you are taking notes, is that we have become slaves to righteousness. You and I, Paul says, have become slaves to righteousness. Now, I know the word slavery at the moment is a very contested word, a word that is repugnant to many and is uh, causing quite a stir across our world. It's a knee-jerk reaction to the use of this term. And slavery is often not seen as a very positive thing at all. In fact, it isn't. But yet Paul uses this word slaves to describe us as servants to the king. So the word duloska means slave or servant or bond servant. And so we have become slaves to righteousness. We serve a new master. And so I want to use that word because the Bible chooses to use that word. And I think it's got a beautiful meaning and picture for us as those who've given our lives over to Jesus Christ. And so we see that in verse 15 and 16. Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we are under the, not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey them as slaves or servants or bond servants, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so in the previous verses, the Apostle Paul has told us that we have been crucified with Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God. And now he continues reminding us in these two verses that we are now slaves to Christ and our obedience to Him leads to righteousness and ultimately holiness. Uh, We are set apart for His purpose as servants, as slaves of our great King. And verse 15 reminds us through Paul's question that we are no longer under the law. You and I are no longer under the judgment of the law, the condemnation of the law. We are no no longer found guilty under its judgments because in chapter 3 verse 21 Paul has already told us a righteousness apart from the law has been made known and in fact to which the law and the prophets testify. And so we are no longer under the law. We're no longer under its judgments. But we are also no longer slaves to sin. Sin is no longer our master. Our condemnation no longer rules over our lives, our hearts, and our thoughts. Because we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. We are declared righteous. We've had this imputed righteousness. And so we no longer serve the law uh, because of the condemnation of the law, the requirements of the law, but we and so we are no longer slaves to sin. We are now under the grace and the mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul makes it very clear, doesn't he, that we are all slaves to something. We are either slaves to Christ, or we are slaves to sin. And no one is exempt. So no one in this world is truly free. We are either slaves to our sinful nature, and Paul reminds us this leads to to death, or we are slaves to obedience to Christ, which leads to righteousness and love. Uh, growing up, I remember there always used to be this little uh, tract or poster that you 'd often find in churches uh, depicting two roads uh, and and uh, the road the wide road leading to to hell and the narrow road leading to jesus and there were always some of the scariest posters because the wide road had pictures of of fire and flames and death and anger. The narrow road had pictures of glorious life, that oh, sun rising picture. And, and the question was, which road are you walking on? And I think uh, that, that poster probably would have captured what Paul is saying. As he says, we are all slaves to something. We are either slaves to our sinful nature, still serving it, still under its rule, under its dominion. Or we are slaves, notice this, to obedience to Christ so we are obedient servants to our king uh, and this this obedience leads to righteousness and life of course we've been saved we are not saved through our works but our obedience reflects our loyalty to christ in the same way that the the musketeers obedience to the king reflected their loyalty to him uh, that reflected their their belonging to him their service to him so our acts of obedience and love for christ are displayed in those deeds in those the, the, the walking in obedience to him and uh, and so we are we are slaves to Christ we obey Jesus Christ and don't you see what Paul says at the moment you um, offer yourself so it's it's a voluntary slavery don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves you are slaves to the one whom you obey. You see, our slavery, our service of our King is voluntary. It is totally voluntary. We choose. We, we make ourselves slaves for Christ. We, we lay down our lives and we give ourselves to Jesus. We freely and happily surrender our lives to Him. You see, Christianity is not a burden that we are shackled to being a believer in jesus is not a burden that you have to carry through life now you should be willingly laying down your life to follow jesus this morning see slavery to christ is not a mandatory command it's not forced labor but is an offering and an act of self-surrender and of course that stands in contrast to human slavery, doesn't it? Where you are captured and you are forced into a lifelong servant service, you are beaten, you are mistreated, uh, you are treated as nothing. You see, our slavery is we are chosen, we are called, and we willingly offer our lives to Jesus Christ. And though we go through hardship and suffering, we have the gentleness, the love, the care, and the concern of a heavenly Father. And so that causes us to walk in a life of self surrender. One of the commentators makes the following statement. He says, conversion is an act of self-surrender. Self-surrender inevitably leads to slavery and slavery demands total, radical, and exclusive obedience. For no one can serve two masters as Jesus himself taught. So once we have offered to ourselves to him as slaves, we are permanently And unconditionally at his disposal isn't that a beautiful picture we are permanently and unconditionally at his disposal the one thing that I observe about many believers today is we want to offer ourselves to Jesus we want the benefits of eternal life and salvation but our slavery is often uh, on our terms we want to dictate the terms of our service to Jesus we want to dictate the T's and C's in many ways And here Paul makes it very, very clear that when we surrender ourselves to Jesus, we belong to Him. It's on His terms, and as the commentator puts so beautifully, we are permanently and unconditionally at His disposal. I wonder if you see your life in those terms this morning. I wonder if you see your unconditional Surrender to Jesus as unconditional While well, you serving Lord this morning wanting to serve him wanting to honor him wanting to live for him want the benefits But actually God I want to reserve this Lifestyle on on the one side. I want to reserve the sinfulness uh, if, if, As part of the contract I, I want to negotiate my terms of obedience now, folks, we need to remember this morning that when we serve Jesus we unconditionally serve Him on His terms. And when Jesus Christ gave everything for us, that's exactly what He did. He gave everything to us. We either submit ourselves to the sin of this world, or we submit ourselves fully to Christ. We cannot have it both ways. And so sadly, so many Christians want it both ways. Uh, We want the benefits we want, but we also want the trappings and the pleasures of this world. Not that Jesus always removes those. We must also get rid of that, that picture of Christianity. That Christ removes all our pleasures and everything. And, and we've got to live almost in sackcloth and ashes. That's not, not the call of Christianity at all. But there is sacrifice involved. And we cannot follow Jesus Christ our way. We need to follow him on his terms. How often aren't we, and you and I, like the rich young man that comes to Christ in Mark chapter 10, 10 verse 17-26? to 26? And he's kept the law he's done many good things he's lived what many would say is the ideal life of obedience yet jesus says to him one thing you lack go and sell everything and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me see jesus wants to redirect his heart from the trappings of this world to the gift of eternal life and the lifestyle that it calls us to the demands and the sacrifice And the young man couldn't commit to that. He could not commit that. Jesus says, one thing you lack is your heart hasn't changed. Your heart is not deeply and passionately surrendered to me. See, he wasn't willing to lay down everything to follow Jesus. How about you this morning? Are you willing to lay it all down to follow Jesus? See, there is a cost involved in following Jesus. I don't think we preach this enough in our churches. There is a cost involved because Jesus demands your whole life. Not just parts of your life. But he demands everything. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 33. Listen to these words of Jesus. I'm simply going to read it because they are just so powerful. As Jesus teaches, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And if anyone does not carry his cross or her cross and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. And that's why we've got to continue, uh, we've got to consider it very carefully. That becoming a Christian is not simply saying a prayer and, and then it's, it's done, and, done and dusted. No, becoming a Christian is laying down our lives. And being willing to sacrifice everything that stands in the way over our obedience to Christ and the extension of his kingdom. Luke chapter 14 verse 28, Jesus continues. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not he or she first sit down and estimate the cost to see if they have enough money to complete it? For if he or she lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying this person began to build and was not able to finish. And isn't that exactly happens when, what happens when we follow Christ, we surrender but then we take, we take it back on our terms and we live half-hearted lives for Jesus and the world laughs at Christians. The world makes a mockery because we haven't considered the cost sufficiently before laying down our lives for Jesus. Verse 31, Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. See, Jesus is calling on us, to consider the cost because folk there is a cost involved and that cost is your whole life verse 34 salt is good but if it loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is neither fit for the soil or even for the manure pile it is thrown out he or she who has ears to hear let them hear see folk we need to consider this morning as Paul says we've become slaves to Christ Our entire life, every area belongs to Him. We are no longer slaves to sin and the passions of the world, but we are willing to make that sacrifice to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. There is a cost involved. And are you willing this morning to take up that cost, to lay down everything for your love for Jesus, the love for the King in service of Him and His kingdom? And so you are either serving sin, which leads to death, or you are walking in obedience to Jesus that leads to righteousness and life. And secondly, did you see that not only um, are we slaves to sin, are slaves to Jesus, sorry, not only we slaves to Jesus, but our slavery calls us for absolute obedience. You notice that our slave, slave, slavery to righteousness and to Jesus, it calls for absolute obedience. Point number two, if you're taking notes. Our slavery calls us to absolute obedience, verse 17 and 19. So, so Paul uses this little term, slaves to obedience. Did you notice that? And verse 17, he says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you and you notice these little words, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted you have been set free from sin and have now become slaves to righteousness you see how paul emphasizes the the, the roman church's belief, uh, um, uh, obedience he says you have be- wholeheartedly You wholeheartedly, with all your heart, obeyed the form of teaching you received, the gospel. Of course, that body of teaching they received was the gospel. And Paul is saying you've wholeheartedly obeyed it. You see how you used to be slaves to sin, but through the the gospel you become servants of the gospel. Through the gospel you are rescued, you are saved, and now you wholeheartedly obeyed obey this gospel, this form of teaching, and you've been set free from sin and you walk as slaves to righteousness. See, being slave to righteousness is being willingly, cheerfully obedient to the word of God, wholeheartedly obedient to the word of God. Christ calls us to total obedience to his word, folk. We can't pick and choose and cut and paste which verses, which part of our faith we want to walk in obedience. We can't choose when to obey and when not to obey. No, we are called to total obedience. And that's in every area. And that's why we need to be working hard to understand Scripture, to be interpreting and translating it correctly. Uh, We're not called to walk in some of the cultural rules. And so we've got to be very discerning in, 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 in how we decide on our obedience, but we are called to be obedient diligently studying god's word understanding and walking in obedience to god across teaching see being a a slave to christ means we are obedient to christ and 1 samuel chapter 15 verse 22 captures it beautifully when it says to obey is better than sacrifice in 1 john chapter 5 verse 2 john writes and he says this is how we know that we love the children of god By loving God and carrying out His commands. So how do we love one another? Well, love God and carry out His commands. Walk in obedience. Verse 3 of 1 John 5. This is love for God. To obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Did you see those the words in verse 3? This is love for God, to walk in obedience to his commands. Now, um, uh, Jesus also asked the question in Mark chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not do what I say? And of course, then Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. And the wise builder is the person who hears God's word and puts it into practice the fool is the person who hears God's Word and does nothing about it you see we offer ourselves to something very different we live a different lifestyle we, we follow a new master we, we, we willingly obey and so our lifestyle is going to look significantly different to the world our values are going to be different to the world our choices should be different to the world if we are living for Jesus And so if the world can't smell Jesus, see Jesus, or notice Jesus in your life, you've got to ask yourself, am I a willing servant? Am I a slave to Christ? Or am I thinking and working and living similarly to to exactly the same as the world with no difference? So you cannot serve our master, our Lord Jesus Christ, and not be different. Verse 19, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And Paul says, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. So Paul says, I'm using this term, this picture of slavery, because I need you to understand it. I need you to get it and understand it. In your weakness, you used to just be handing yourself over to sin, and notice ever-increasing impurity, ever-increasing wickedness, and you willingly just submitted your body to sin. And notice the language is past tense. So as he's speaking to believers, he's saying, you used to do this. You used to be slaves and, and addictions and, and all these things. Those were the things you were running after, chasing after. But now become slaves to Jesus. Have the same passionate commitment to obedience that you used to have to your sinful life. So because of the enabling grace and mercy of God. In our weakness, because of the enabling grace and and mercy of God, you are now enabled, Paul says, empowered to resist. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Because of his great mercy, because of his grace at work in you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Because this is your spiritual act of worship. So how I live matters. My spiritual act of worship is not just going to church on Sunday. It's not just raising my hands and, and singing wonderful songs on Sunday. No, my act of worship, my spiritual act of worship is my lifestyle. How I choose to live every day of every moment in difficult circumstances, in my workplace, in my school, in my family. See, we are called to offer ourselves, every part of us, as a living sacrifice. And then Paul goes on to say, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be conformed into his image. Now, don't follow the pattern of the world, but be transformed, be changed, be conformed to the image of Christ by the renewing of your mind. See, how do we renew renew our minds? Well, by being in God's word, by walking in obedience to God's word. And don't we see people who've offered themselves over to sinfulness, impurity and sinfulness, the wickedness of human beings just seems to be getting worse and worse. Just when you thought you'd seen everything, it's amazing how people are just handing themselves over to sin. And the sad reality is people are just handing themselves over to sin, slaves to sin, sin offering the parts of their body to impurity. We even use the Bible to try and justify it. We even try and make God's word justify our sinfulness. And the call of Scripture has never changed since the day Jesus returned to the Father. And that is to live differently, to walk in obedience, and to be offering our bodies as living sacrifices. That has never changed, folk, and it never will change. Obedience are the marks of those who are committed to Christ, who are slaves to Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we are told that His divine power, God has given us the power, uh, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And so we have been empowered by the grace and the mercy of God. We have been set free from sin. See that in verse 19? And to Peter, we have been given His divine power. So you and I are without excuse this morning. We are ex- without excuse to say, oh, well, I, I, I'm continuing in my sin because we have no excuse. We've been set free. We've been bought with a price. And so now we are enabled to become slaves to righteousness. His divine power is at work in us, enabling godliness and a life committed to Jesus. And so you have been empowered for the task. And so our slavery calls us to absolute obedience. True faith is marked by obedience to the word of God and obedience to Jesus. And so we've seen that uh, uh, from this, these f- few, first few verses in this, this chapter f- f- from verse 15, we are slaves to righteousness. Our slavery calls for absolute obedience, but notice largely the benefits of the slavery. Verse 20 to 23, the benefits of being a slave to Christ. What does it mean? Why is the sacrifice worth it? Well, verse 20 to 23, when when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things just resulted in death. But now that you've been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and of course the result of that is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See what Paul is saying in verse verse 20 and 21? There are absolutely no benefits to ungodly, an ungodly lifestyle besides momentary satisfaction. So there are absolutely no long-term eternal benefits to living in sin. Paul says, what benefit did you reap from, from, uh, from that time when you were doing things you are now ashamed of? Yes, there might be satisfaction, there might be sexual satisfaction, there might be pleasure in having a lot of money and pursuit of wealth, you might enjoy a good lifestyle right now, you might have a, a wonderful home, a big car, you might be earning top dollar salary, and those benefits are all light and momentary, they are not eternal. And isn't that the sad reality of our world? We live in the moment. Right now, we live to satisfy our cravings. We live for for temporary. We want instant gratification, instant satisfaction. You just look at the whole culture of our world today. Faster, better, quicker, nicer, constantly upgrading, constantly changing, constantly placing and, and gloating and showing off our bodies, our wealth, our lifestyle on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, and all these other platforms, constantly in the pursuit of fame and fortune and giving ourselves over to these things. And Paul says, you were free from righteousness when you didn't have to worry about God when you live in a sinful way. You didn't have to worry about judgment. You didn't have to worry about any of those things because you were free. You had no accountability to God in many ways. But what did benefits did you reap? Yeah, you might have had fun. You might have had a lot of things. But none of them folk are soul-satisfying and eternal. And that is why some of the wealthiest people who've got everything simply end it all and take their lives, because it's empty, it's hollow, it promises much but delivers very, very little, except momentary satisfaction. Remember Jesus' words, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Paul says the same thing, a sin simply leads to death and to judgment. And folks, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves. Sin is not this horrible, yucky thing. Sin has, sin has become incredibly pleasurable. Sin has become uh, the very thing that so many pursue because it is so pleasurable. But Paul reminds us of the realities. Those things, that sinful lifestyle, results only in... In death so be careful what you long for what you give your heart for what you give the pursuit of your life to see when you are a slave to sin there is only death that lies in store for you remember that old poster the wide road is wide and many walk on it because it is such a, a, a pleasurable journey and yet at the end there is only death Verse 22, but now, but now, but now you've been set free from sin. You've become slaves to God. And notice what the benefits, the benefits of following Jesus. Well, they lead to holiness and result in eternal life. They lead to holiness and result to eternal life. They are storing for ourselves treasures in heaven. You see, and the deception of Satan is he removes eternity from our eyes. He makes us short-sighted. See, Satan wants to remove the long-term goal. He wants to to remove the eternal promise. He wants you to focus on the here and now and to be living for the here and now. And so you forget about eternity. And I wonder this morning, are you prepared to give up eternity, this wonderful promise of eternal life, a future in heaven for forever and ever? Are you willing to give it up for light and momentary pleasures like the rich young man who was unable to give up on his wealth and so turned his back on eternity? Folk, if you want any reason to remain faithful to Jesus, if you want any reason, any benefit from a hard Christian life, you might be suffering, you might be going through incredible struggling right now in your your walk with Jesus. You might be asking yourself, is it worth it? Can I point you to verse 22? Can I remind you to lift your eyes from your present condition and focus on what is at stake? Eternity forever is at stake. You see, the benefit of knowing Jesus, the benefit of becoming a slave to Christ, is the promise of eternal life. Verse 23 sums it up so beautifully, doesn't it? The wages of sin is death. What we deserve, what we will get for sin. For a life given over to sinfulness and brokenness is, is death. But the gift, this incredible gift of God in Jesus Christ, this incredible gift uh, and self-sacrifice, of the Son of God laying down His life for us. What does it secure for us? Well, it's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, folk, the benefits of following Jesus are eternal. The benefits of following God's Word are eternal. They are lasting. But notice the obedience to Christ also had benefits right now. Being obedient to Christ is called the way of wisdom. Jesus says the wise man, the person who is truly wise will hear my word and put it into practice. And so what Jesus is implying that the wisest way to live right now is according to God's word. And don't we see that, the benefits of walking in obedience to Christ? We, we prevent ourselves from getting hurt emotionally and physically. We protect ourselves. We, we live in such a way that is God-honoring and self-protecting. You see, God is not going to instruct us to live in a way that, that is harmful to us. No, in fact, God's world reveals and gives us a taste of how we are to live in a way that is the best way, the best possible way for human beings to live. And that, that covers so many areas. God's Word covers all areas, doesn't it? In pairing, parenting, in our relationships, in our relationships with one, one another, our attitudes to each other, how we are to live. And if we walk in obedience to God, can I tell you something? We will find true joy. We will find satisfaction. And I'm telling you now, our lives will be so much easier from an emotional relationship standpoint if we put it into practice and so folk we need to be walking in obedience because the benefits of the slavery to Jesus Christ uh, are holiness a life of holiness a life of set-apartness for God that ultimately results in eternal life we are protected from the ravages of sin when we walk in obedience and you just have to look around you folk You just have to look around you, open your eyes, and see those who are living in sin and see the damage, the mess. And then you realize that following Jesus is the best and wisest way to live. And may I encourage you to live 100% surrendered slaves to Jesus Christ. Walking in obedience is not easy, it's hard, especially in a world that is constantly putting pressure. But ultimately, it will bring eternal life. But now it will bring life to you right now. In Jesus, we are set free from sin. And this leads to an eternity with God. I want to close just by reading a quote uh, from Robert McCall Adams. A beautiful quote that just, I think, summarizes what Paul has been saying. That we are slaves to Jesus. We belong to him. Slaves to righteousness. And that's a life marked with ultimate sacrifice and total obedience. And so we will one day reap the benefits of this obedience and this life with Jesus. Eternal life, the benefit of following Jesus. But listen to this quote. If all you have found in Christianity is advantage, whether it is fun or profit or security, then you haven't started following him yet. His way is the way of the cross. The world can be very hard on those it hates. If it is not hard on you, perhaps it sees nothing in you to hate. But then it doesn't see Jesus in you, for it hates Jesus with an undying hatred. While your way is still all fun, all easy, all jolly, it is only your way. When you turn from it to follow His way, It will cost. It may cost you everything you have. That is what it cost him. May we be prepared to lay down our lives for our King. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this incredibly challenging passage of Scripture lord so often i see myself wanting to live as a slave to jesus but yet wanting it on my terms and i pray this morning that my commitment to you would be total unconditional everything oh lord would you remove our short-sightedness and would you help us every single day to be reminded and catch a glimpse of eternity what is at stake God, that our eyes and our hearts will be forever fixed on Jesus. And the hardness of this life, the the toughness of this life, would never hinder our love for you and our willing slavery to you. This morning we once again commit our lives to you, lay down our lives. And Father, those sins that that we're struggling with, those things we are struggling to lay down, would you empower us? Would you, through the grace and the mercy and the passion of Jesus Christ, the death of our Savior, would you help us to lay those down and help us to walk in obedience to you? Would you enable us, give us the strength we need to live lives that are honoring to you and glorifying to your name? And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.